Hey, how's it going? I'm Nicole. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. And just like that, here we are. Here we are. We are Welcome. an awesome episode today. Are we? Are we? Yes. Are we? Yes. <gasps> yeah, we are. <laughs> it's a very much sort of requested episode. It is. But before we get into that, we have other things to talk about. Yeah, we do. We had breakfast for dinner tonight. It was awesome. It was awesome. Bacon, eggs, hash browns, toast. What else? Strawberries. Strawberries. Oh, the strawberries made it. That was like a nice little dessert. It It was was actually epic and it made me feel like I was 12 years old, but I was okay with it. It was amazing. I came home from work and the smoke alarm was going off. (laughs) So I knew Nicole was cooking dinner. (laughs) Okay. That's not fair. The tiny home smoke alarm goes off constantly. Yes. Yes. And I had one of our dogs outside posted for sale. It was just not, it was just not going well for me. Anyone want to buy a dog? And I'm like, welcome home, Ben. (laughs) It was actually great. The smoke alarm was good jokes. I was like, oh, dinner's done. Um, but yeah, no, it was just because uh, cooking cooking bacon for breakfast and bacon can get smoky mm-hmm. in a tiny space. That smoke alarm goes nuts. Yeah, I thought it, and it doesn't even seem like it's smoky in here, but it's like it just goes off. So it just, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. anyway, there anyway. are worse things to happen. That wasn't that bad. I agree. And I it agree. Was a, it was a delicious dinner. It was delicious. What else are we going to talk about? Oh, we got to talk about this. This is very important. Oh, you're ah. a bit delayed there, dude. Yeah, throwing everyone for a loop. Wow. Keeping them guessing, you know. Got to be on your toes. Yeah, we do actually keep people on their toes. Ah, it's important. We'll have to post um, how we warm up for episodes. You were singing <laughs> Moana. I was singing some Moana. We already posted that as a story on our Patreon. So. And I was dancing around like a hippie because my shoulders were killing me and I was trying to yeah, you loosen were, up. You look like you're in some sort of like cult dance spiritual thing you're doing some weird moves there it actually helped though i feel a little i'm sure it did it looked odd but i'm sure it helped (laughs) oh whatever works yeah but speaking of patron though we've got some patrons who signed up this week that we got to thank do we we have quite a few people who signed up are you gonna read actually yeah like it's in my mind like it's every time i go in there there's more people and i'm just like oh my gosh yeah so excited it's amazing everyone who's supporting us over there so big shout out to you guys thank you and we're going to say everyone who signed up this week. Nicole's going to do it. I don't even have the list. So you I have you it. I can show you. I can show you. You fly at her. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> Fine. Okay. So we have thank yous to send out to Elizabeth Hutchins, Sabrina Randall, Hannah Campbell. Love the last name Campbell, by the way. I'm a Bruce Campbell fan. So you got me on your side right there. Uh, Maritza Chitwood, Kim, Amanda Kingry, Kat Peterson, Kayla Payton, Katie Totman, and Rachel Dulitz. Wow. Thank you, all of you, for being so amazing and supporting us over on that platform. It makes, it, it honestly, you guys are what helps us keep going. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah. I think I've said this before, but I literally have my notifications turned off on most things, but not, not Patreon because it makes my day. Okay. I just want to say one thing, though. I've tried time and time and time again to turn the notifications on for messages on Patreon. But for whatever reason, Patreon does not notify us when we get messages. I don't get those. (laughs) So if we are behind on Patreon messages, guys, um, I mean, anyone we've talked to, we've already told you that. But if you message us on Patreon and we don't message for a few days, it's just because Patreon didn't tell us that you messaged us. We will find the message and we will message you back and we will eventually. It is very odd, actually. Like, yeah, you'll get notification for someone signing up, a comment, but yeah, not a message. And you would think that's like the yeah. most important. And like I said, I've gone in 
I've turned those notifications on on my phone several times. And they're just like, no. Nah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in the, in the settings, it says it's on, but it just doesn't, doesn't tell us. Hmm. Yeah. Do better Patreon. Yeah. It also pisses me off. They don't let us upload videos. It makes me <laughs> so mad. I'd be doing like little vlogs all the Look time. Look at us. I feel like last time we were bitching about Spotify. Now we're <laughs> bitching about Patreon. Like, yeah. holy. Um, we also do have to thank a few people who went out of their way and gave us reviews when we requested it last week. So thank you so much. Mm, yes, that That's, was awesome. We had some awesome comments. Uh, so thank you so much for reviewing us, giving us those five stars, giving us those comments. You guys. Uh, we super we are, appreciate it. We're so lucky to have supporters like you. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Yes, we're very, very, very lucky. Yeah. 100%. I don't feel very lucky that I decided to pick this case or not pick it. I had it on my list forever and I'm like, I'm going to do it. But I'm like, <gasps> well, since, so daunting. Since day one, we've had this on our list. Mm -hmm. And since day one, we've had people requesting this. Yeah. What's well, a big one? This is probably our most requested case. So what so, case is that? So, well, it's the case of Robert Picton. Yes, it is. Mr. Robert Picton. Mm -hmm. This one's a little bit close to home for us. Yeah. Um, mind you, he's a little bit of a distance away. He's probably- Nine uh, hours. Uh, which I think where he We're, I'm talking about that in my notes, dude. You're jumping ahead. Sorry. May I? May I? Go ahead. <laughs> I think he's about 800 kilometers away from us where he was. Um, but us being in a small northern town, like the distance doesn't matter because it's just like the next big city sort of mm -hmm. thing. So it's, it might as well be just next door. Yeah, and like so, this was very much so in the news for us. I mean, oh, yeah. I, it probably was maybe worldwide, but like very much so. I remember living through this kind of thing, yeah, right? It coming out so, in the news and all the and just being like, "Wow, just flabbergasted!" Really, yeah, it was um, disgusting. Yeah, that's a very light way of putting it. This man is trash. Yeah, he's nasty. Yeah, you nasty picked it. Um, nasty. And I'm going to be very kind. This is going to be like a two parter. So I'm being very kind because you guys will probably be all at me where I end. So if you want to save it until you can watch or listen, watch, listen to both of them yeah. at the same time, fly at her. But and it's going to be worth listening to both. Parts, oh, gosh, because, yeah, well, the second one is just going to be better. Yeah, there's a lot of shit we have to go through before it gets a bit more interesting, I guess you could say. Yeah, a bit more enough. shitty. I don't know. Shitty the things that he did. But yeah, I, can, I know what you mean by. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's dive in here, hey? Oh, you ready to rock and roll? I got a drink. I'm ready. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I got water. Okay, so I'm going to start this case off by sharing the very broad but sad truth about it, and that is that between 1978 and 2001, at least 65 women disappeared from Vancouver's downtown east side. And in all honesty, that number is probably low because some woman may never have been reported as missing at all. Yeah, 100% correct. Right. So for all of those who you haven't heard of Vancouver's downtown east side, I'll share with you. It is unfortunately a very sad picture to paint. 
The city of Vancouver's website describes it as being an area in recent years that has struggled with many complex challenges, including drug use, crime, homelessness, housing issues, unemployment, and loss of businesses in the community, which is a very polite way of saying you don't want to find yourself in this area. Definitely. Definitely. It was in the 1980s that the area began to rapidly decline for many reasons. There was an increase of hard drug use, policies, aka the government, Mm -hmm. basically pushed sex workers and drug-related activity out of nearby areas areas into a centralized area. And I don't think that's like was a Vancouver thing. I think that's happened other Oh, definitely. Like lots of places. And the lack of the lack or end, I should say, of funding for social social housing. It is essentially an eight block long and six block deep hell on earth. Drug addiction, overdoses, poverty, people living on the street, sex work, disease, mental illness. It's dirty. It's unsafe. It was described in many articles I read that if you end up here, you've hit rock bottom. And it's the sad, sad, sad truth about the area. Yeah. And to sum it all up, it's essentially like if you end up there, it's society has abandoned you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, okay. There are resources down there though. And I think there yes. are still people down there trying to help. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going to say that. But yeah, like, like you really, ah, uh, it's so sad. And it, it sucks. You even, you try to get out, it sucks you back in often. Yes. That's very, very true. So, and I've actually driven through, I remember driving through that area as a kid and just being like, whoa, it was just like a different world. I went through that area just a couple of weeks ago when I was in Vancouver. Oh, did you have to walk through that area? Then? No, I didn't walk through it. I, I was in a cab and we drove through there. Oh, did you? Hey. Yeah. Well, it's quite close to Gastown, isn't it? Which oh, is yeah. where we, we love in Vancouver. Yeah. Gastown is gorgeous. Some cool stuff down yeah. there. Yeah. And I think when we went to the um, the police museum that they had there, it was like pretty darn close. Yeah. Yeah, it was. There were some crazy things in that police museum. Mm-hmm. Like, it is. It was a cool place to check yeah. out. I remember one thing particularly in that police museum. Um, there was those cabinets of like confiscated weapons. Mm. Some of the stuff, like there was literal shurikens, like ninja shurikens throwing stars. Um, but there was a whip made of chainsaw chains. Oh my God. Do you remember? I don't remember that. I was more interested in the morgue part, which is really, I'm not sure what that says about me. There was like baseball bats with of course barbed wire and like a lot of things, but that, that whip made of chainsaw chains was, was messed up. I remember the brain, the slice of the brain too. Oh yeah. Those are the things that stand out. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's like literally just quite gut wrenching is a way to describe it. Mm -hmm. The community has a low trust of the police. This case may be an example of why, um, but I've also read that the residents of Vancouver downtown east side experience Canada's highest rate of death from encounters with police. So that's scary as hell. Wow, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's sad. I know. I, I didn't really look into that further, but I was like, holy shit. Okay. So like I said, it's a really sad picture to paint, but unfortunately, it's the reality of the situation. A situation that Robert Picton very much so took advantage of. Took advantage of and was probably very much so a part in creating or at least. Um, well, definitely wasn't helping. Yeah, exactly. He was He was a part of it and he might have 
been a part of its birth. I don't know if I would say his birth. Well, a birth like, in this century. It definitely was. Um, he put uh, he put unnecessary fear into people that were already fear stricken. You could say that. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe not its birth, um, but he he helped perpetuate it. He, mm-hmm. he could have made it worse. You yeah. Know what I mean. Well, yeah. Anytime you actually read anything about down Vancouver downtown East Side, he's mentioned. Too, yeah. So he's very much associated with it. Okay. So Robin was Robin. Who the fuck is Robin? <laughs> Shout out to my sister, Robin. <laughs> What's up, Robin? Robert was born on October 24th, 1949. His full name, Robert William Picton. A lot of people call him Willie, and you'll listen to a lot of podcasts where they say Willie, but I'm not saying Willie. I, hate, I just don't want to say yeah. Willie, this he, whole thing. He's Robert Picton. Robert. We're calling him Robert. Yeah. Fuck you, Robert. Fuck you and your name, Willie. I know, he's nasty. His parents were Leonard and Louise Picton. Robert was the middle child with an older sister and a younger brother. The family were pig farmers, operating their pig farm out of Port Coquitlam, which is about 27 kilometers east of Vancouver. And like we had mentioned, about nine hours drive away from us. Can I give you a pat on your back for something? Absolutely. Okay. You listen to like 99% of podcasts out there talking about Robert Picton. None of them, or 99% of them, don't know how to say Coquitlam. No, but I know how to say it. We get shit for our bad pronunciation. (laughs) We can say Coquitlam. We can say Port Coquitlam. We can. Yeah. So fuck yeah. We got one up on all those for that. I know it was actually funny. There was a few people that were like, I don't know how to say these Canadian cities. Yeah, we got it. And then- yeah, we we do get people get we get a hard time sometimes. I mean, that's a hard city to say, but I don't know I don't know how to say it. So. You do, and you did well. So good job, pat on your back. Thank for that. you. I feel like my confidence is just exploding out of me. Perfect. That's what we want. <laughs> good job. High five. High five. High five. Boom. Okay, keep going. Okay, so Robert's upbringing wasn't exactly great. His mother Louise was an interesting character to say the least Mm -hmm. aside from her looks of rotting teeth lost hair and a goatee apparently yep she had a goatee i know right i can feel her pain though i got some serious hairs on my chin sometimes on the chinny chin chin i need to like get that dealt with i mean that it just happens as you get older it does it's so uh, i don't i don't i feel bad for her really i'm not shaming her with that yeah but i'm sure it didn't add to her well, she could have she could have maintained her goatee. Let's just say that I maintain my my. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> Facial hair maintenance is important. <laughs> she had a high pitched voice. Also, don't shame her for that. <laughs> but it was often heard calling for her children across the neighborhood. I suppose you could say she dressed in a house dress over jeans and rubber boots, which is quite the visual. Both her and Leonard did not care about their parents or their hygiene, and that was passed down to their children. One interesting yet disgusting fact is that the farm animals had the run of the farm, including the house. their house, yeah. which is so beyond fucked. Yeah. So uh, I do know a lot about this case. Well, yeah, we so, both do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, generally, we're presenting to each other, and we don't know the case, but- yeah, I know a lot of, of this and that's... You'll, I think you'll probably know the majority of it, to be honest. I don't even know if there'll be much in here that will shock you. Well, I've... Yeah, I've researched this before, but it's been a while. But yeah. the one that really stuck with me is, yeah, the animals oh. get the run of the house. So, yeah, they're tracking in dirt, 
manure and they're relieving themselves in the house because yeah. animals don't give a fuck where they go. If they got to go, they go. Which is understandable. Think you have a dog that's got to go. It's got to go. And it doesn't get outside fast enough. It's going to go in the house. But you clean it up. Yeah. You usher the dog outside, let it have its space and you clean up afterwards. Not just being like, oh, there's a pile of shit on the floor. Oh, well. Yeah. Which she had that attitude. Oh, well. Yeah. The smell didn't affect her. Oh, well. Yeah. Like, okay. That, that is just beyond. The family is effectively farm animals themselves. Yeah. They're pretty much living in like a barn in a sentence. Yeah. Really. Like, because I mean, hay would have been, get brought in. Like a lot of shit would just get brought in there. Yeah. So the poor children, especially the, the boys, had high expectations of working on the farm and would often be going to school dirty. And I'm sure you could imagine not smelling all that pleasant. Mm -hmm. They only received weekly baths if they were lucky, which Ugh. was not enough to remove the dirt and the odor and just at all. So gross. I need me like frequent showers. Yeah. I mean, that's just so sad. Oh, because I didn't even put it in here. But like Robert had a fear basically of like showering. Yeah. Like what the heck? And that's because of his upbringing. That's yeah. Because of his parents and what they did to him. Yeah, which is like his childhood wasn't great. No. The So this this is not just Robert Picton. This is his family. Yes, it's, but it is more so and I probably say this in later, but it is more so the brothers. The sister seemed like she was treated a bit differently. Mm -hmm. And she'd been interviewed at times too and didn't often oh, I kind of said that with an accent. Didn't, didn't often <laughs> didn't often describe is like the situations is that terrible. And then I do think when she was in high school, she went and lived with relatives in Vancouver and yeah. stuff. So she, she really like wanted to be away from this whole situation. I think Understandable. She, was, she was a lot different. So this obviously caused them to be called names by their fellow classmates like piggy or stinky piggy. And school is rough. If you're in any way different, it does not go unnoticed. Oh yeah. So I would imagine the bullying had to be, pretty bad towards them no kidding i got bullied just for my name because that like um muscle cream the ointment ben gay of course kids latched to that my name's ben oh jeez! So. did you not know that we I literally think, went to high school i together. think i did but like <laughs> i forgot because it's just so silly yeah i know right i don't know everything that just is people bully me it's silly yeah high school is brutal so yeah they got i'm sure it wasn't great for them robert had some Sad stories to share from his childhood. At age three, he crashed his father's truck. He was sitting in it when it started to roll. His father was yelling at him to stop, but he was three, year old, three years old and would have no idea how to do that. And inevitably, he and the truck crashed into a tree. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, he received a beating from his father. <laughs> Oh, Which God. that's honestly the father's fault. Oh, I can't, I can't imagine an adult blaming a three-year-old for a piece of equipment like that. Rolling into a rolling. tree. Like, he God. fucked up. The dad fucked up. Yeah. Even if Picton as a kid took off the e-brake or did take it He wouldn't it out have gear. done it intentionally. Exactly. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's a kid. He shouldn't have left him in there. Yeah. So at the age of four, Robert was forced to smoke a cigar. By his mother after being caught smoking a cigarette. This was her idea to cure him of ever wanting to smoke again. Yeah. Um, not that I agree with it, but that was a popular um, practice 
back in the day. Oh, was it actually? Oh, yeah. I've never heard of that. On TV shows, lots you heard that, like that 70s show or whatever, like, oh, you catch your kids uh, smoking a cigarette, they're going to sit down and make you smoke the whole pack. Oh, my god. The gosh. idea was that you're going to smoke. Get and a, get sick. They're going to get sick and be deterred from it. Oh, my gosh. That's Not so that gross. I agree with it. That's basically abuse. But, but I mean, it but, did work for him. Yeah. The theory is there. The th- Which. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but the worst of all might have been when Robert was 12 years old. He saved up $35 to buy a three-week-old calf. Oh, yeah. With the intention that he would keep the calf for the rest of his life. He treated the calf as his companion, taking care of it and enjoying spending time with it. Until one day he came home and his calf was nowhere to be found. After searching and searching, he was told to check the barn. Where I'm sure you guessed it, he found his calf hanging upside down, butchered. So brutal. This just devastated him. He would he wouldn't talk to anyone for four days, and I like I honestly don't even blame him. The sh- that shit at 12 years old would impact your life, in my opinion. Like that is like brutal. I'm pretty sure. That is the moment that directed Picton down this path. To be a serial killer? Because at that moment, I'm sure he lost all compassion. Yeah. Like, I just, oh, it almost makes me want to ball my face off because yeah. that is just so sad. Well, I imagine that was the literally the only thing he loved. That he had. Yeah. And then it was just taken away. And then he was just left with and nothing. And then they thought, too, they were like, oh, why don't you like have some, because like they were eating it. Yeah. And this will make you feel better. And the mom had offered to like rebuy him a calf and another calf and stuff. Cause like they didn't realize it would devastate him to this much, this yeah. extent, I guess. But no, that was like his calf. It wasn't like replaceable. Yeah. Like, oh. Which, I mean, that's, that's farm culture for you. Cause to the parents, it wasn't a, a pet. It was. But they should have known that yes. how important it was to their son. Oh, yeah. I know that. But yeah. The, like, to the parents, it was not a pet. It was food. Yeah. But to Picton, it was a pet. There is a very, those are very two different lines for for general society and farmers. Yeah. Um. So his parents didn't realize it was a pet, which, I mean, that's their fault for not knowing. They should have that connection with their kid to fucking know that. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. And the fact that he bought it with his own money and stuff, right? He saved yeah. up for this. Exactly. Like that is, it just destroys me, actually. It's so sad. Oh, and the Pictons were rather well off, too. So they, well, they could just go buy some fucking food. Yeah. I mean, I don't know per se if the parents necessarily were super well off or anything. They wouldn't have struggled with no. money. The kids became well off, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So at the age of 14, grade 8, Robert would drop out of school in 1963. He had a tough time in school. Along with the bullying, Robert was a quiet boy and was considered slow. He dropped out of school, or him dropping out of school didn't bother his mother, Louise. It just meant more help around the farm. She also wanted him to learn how to butcher. So after leaving school, he would start an apprenticeship with a butcher. In 1970, he would leave that to work full-time at the family farm, being around 21. One other noteworthy thing to mention from Robert's childhood, oh God, involves his brother. Do you know where I'm going? I know where you're going. When David was 16 years old and new to driving, as he was driving home, 
in the family truck, he would strike a neighborhood kid, Timothy Barrett, I think it's Barrett, from behind who was walking home from a friend's house. Tim was a grade nine student and had only lived in the neighborhood for a year moving there from Winnipeg. David, instead of being a decent fucking human being, (laughs) I don't have that in my notes, instead of stopping to see if Tim was still alive, he panicked and he raced home to tell his parents. Yep. What happened next is so appalling and maybe a glimpse into why Robert thought nothing of taking a human life. David was told to take the family truck he was driving to the shop right away to get the damage done, repaired, and essentially covered up. Yep. While Louise herself went to search the road where the accident happened. Shortly later, she came across Tim's body. She looked him over, but without hesitation, then proceeded to haul Tim's body 10 feet to the edge of a slough and rolled his body into it before heading home. She literally chucked him in the fucking ditch. Like, I just can't, I just can't even believe this. And just wait, because it gets worse. Tim's dad had phoned the friend's house the night of the accident in search of his son, but they hadn't seen him since the early evening. Apparently, the buddy's house that he went to, like, was busy so that he couldn't, he couldn't play. Which they're probably like, oh my gosh, I wish, like... He wasn't busy. Mm-hmm. Like there's that, that just happens with so many things. Apparently also Tim was, he wasn't walking like facing traffic like you're supposed to. So if he was, he'd have been on like the other side of the road. Like it's just shit. Hindsight's twenty twenty though. Yeah. Can't. You can always change something. Exactly. Um, okay. So the police were informed, but there was no news until the early morning when Tim's dad and the friend's dad went out to search the road. As they searched... Tim's dad came across his son's shoe on the side of the road, and then he spotted Tim, as you can imagine, practically collapsing from devastation. Mm -hmm. Wow. It didn't take a rocket science to have the incident lead back to the Pictons, being that the mechanic who had worked on the truck the night before heard the story on the radio and called the police. Tim's death was deemed an accidental death, with David being charged in juvenile court for failing to remain on a scene of an incident. He was convicted and placed on indefinite probation with his driver's license suspended until he was 21. Louise's role was only a thing of neighborhood rumor because she got away scot-free. With the real kicker being Tim's cause of death was from drowning. Yep. The injuries he suffered from being hit would have badly injured him, but it was determined they most likely would not have killed him. So he wasn't dead when she fucking rolled in the ditch. And if either one of them would have just like called an ambulance, he would have lived. Yep. Which is just holy. Oh my gosh. It actually like makes me rage inside. Oh, through and through. It just shows what kind of fucking people these are. These people are just unbelievably disgusting human beings. If we haven't showed enough already, like clearly they're fucked. Like I can't, I honestly can't believe like he was a little boy. Well, I mean, he was a teenager, but that's like for the span of your life. That's a young boy. Like he had his whole life ahead of him and And, they just fucked it over. And could you imagine looking at a 
unconscious, clearly, a uh, young boy in the middle of the road, even if he thought he was dead or not, and just rolling him into the ditch. I think home. that she would have known that he was alive. Probably. I actually, in like, I just think that he, she would have known. Probably. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Because rolling, moving him and rolling him, I think that you would have been able to tell. I would assume so. There probably would have been some moaning, some breathing, some gasping, Gosh. movement, something. Oh, it's just devastating. Okay, to move on. Like, that's just rough to move on from. Robert's father would pass away in 1978 of cancer, dying at the age of 81. The following year, cancer would strike again, this time killing Louise at the age of 67. So there was, like, a pretty big age difference between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Robert was um, the mom's full-time caregiver. So she like, or he took care of every, every bit of need that she had while she was dying. Which props Which to him for that. Is a was is pretty awesome. I didn't mention this earlier, but Robert's father wasn't super involved in raising the children. And there are rumors he was abusive to Robert, but Robert's sister didn't describe him this way. Robert was, however, very close with his mother, a mama's boy. They were two peas in a pod. So there was a bit of a shock when it came to the reading of the will. So Louise's will that she left behind. Mm -hmm. Everything was left to the children, but with Robert's inheritance, he got a $20,000 lump sum payment, but he wouldn't get the remaining unless he stayed working on the farm until he was 40 years old. Wow. I don't think I knew that part. And he would have only been about 30 years when his mother passed away. Like, holy shit. Wow. I'm assuming that this was her way of making sure the farm was, like, taken care of. And the other two children didn't really have the same interest in the farm that Robert did. But then for the fact that he, like, he changed her diapers and everything. Like, he did, like, everything for her. And this made him completely disappointed. And feel stuck yeah i mean yeah you're right but look at it as clearly he's the more competent one of the children because he is looking after and everything so who better to make look after the farm i don't know if i would say he's the most competent well you know what i mean is <laughs> in showing his mother he was the, what, the competent one i guess well and then he i think like he ended up getting that 20,000, I think, was like an extra 20,000, if, if I can remember correctly. And then he get like what his siblings got when he was 40. So like technically he was getting more money. There was something too that I had read. Um, if the dad had died first, it was like completely. Oh, my mic keeps like sagging. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> having some. Uh, I'm having some issues some, over here. Some mic dysfunction. It's just dropping. It's so <laughs> weird. Okay. It doesn't usually happen like that. It usually stands straight up and performs really well. <laughs> okay. So if the dad had died first, I hope I'm remembering this correctly. 
it was basically that the sister, I think, only got like 20,000 and the rest was split between the brothers. So like the dad was like leaving like nothing to the, si- hmm. the sister, really. Yeah. Which gotcha. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. That's I wonder why. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, I think it was just that she wanted the, the farm looked after and he was the only one that had an interest in it is my assumption. Gotcha. So the years after the passing of the parents, Robert and his siblings, his sister being a realtor, sold much of the farm for urban urban development, making millions. Mm-hmm. So I think they sold three different chunks of land. And so they earned 5.2, 5.23 million. Like that is a lot of money. Oh, they probably would have got like 10 times that today. Oh gosh. Yeah. But I mean, that wouldn't have done anything for Robert. No. <laughs> um, uh, actually, no, they wouldn't have because the, the farm would just be like, Okay, if nothing happened, you mean? If nothing had happened. Honestly, no. Like even if they if the prop the property if everything still happened and the property was sold today, that property I'm not talking about like the farmhouse, the farm itself. I'm talking Just about the land, the but land. still would people want that shit? I oh, guess probably. they would. Land like that, close to Vancouver like that. That's true, that's true. That's big bucks. But I'm just like ugh. that is prime real estate. <laughs> Robert would maintain a small-scale livestock operation at the farm, while the majority of the land seemed to be used for Robert's brother's endeavors. Even though um, Robert, or yeah, Robert was the older one of the two brothers, it seemed like the brother, the younger brother, had like a lot of control over him. Almost, mm. it did seem from my readings. So the endeavors that the brother had included a topsoil business and he used the land for a parking lot for trucks and heavy equipment for his excavation and demolition business. Dave also had an interest with the known group, the Hells Angels, and the farm was also used as a chop shop which Robert went, ran as David was busy with his businesses and Robert had a gift for vehicle salvaging yeah so they were quite the um pseudo entrepreneurs kind of yeah yeah because and some reports even said that like robert owned um the demolition business with with david but then it wasn't nothing was ever clarified like i couldn't fully clarify that so i know david owned them for sure not 100 sure but robert and so for anyone too that doesn't know what a chop shop is, it's a place where stolen vehicles are basically dismantled so that the parts can be sold or used to repair other stolen vehicles. Or items sometimes are hidden altogether and claimed for insurance. So they'd be like burying shit. Yep. And and sometimes they wouldn't even bury it. They would just like Burn, cover it cover with, with topsoil or whatever. Yeah. So like their farm was disgusting. Like it was oh. just a complete mess. Yeah. They just destroyed everything about it. Well, if you look at the picture, well, the picture you posted. To I did Instagram post. Yeah. Oh. looks like a mess. Oh yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. Like I've seen farms before and I mean, farms are gross. It's a muddy, gross mm-hmm. place. It's understandable. You have animals and everything roaming around, but no, that just looked fucking gross. Yeah. So the next endeavor for the Picton brothers would be what they called Piggy Palace. And this was Piggy Palace. Piggy Palace. This is my favorite part of the story just because of how ridiculous it is. <laughs> it seems pretty ridiculous. It's like absolutely absurd. I can't even believe that this happened. I know. So, and that was in 1995, 1996. So they purchased property not far from the 
farm and converted a large corrugated metal shed to have a long bar, full restaurant kitchen, walk-in fridge, and raised dance floor. Old beer signs were hung, fluorescent lighting, and a revolving disco ball and sound system. I mean, it might look kind of interesting there. I, mean, I actually might. should try to find a photo. I didn't try to find a photo. Yeah, I'm sure there is pictures out there. Because this is also almost like in in farmland. And it was like, yeah. and like I feel like I would never go there. Like, I feel like I would just get freaking murdered. It's called Piggy Palace and it's on a farm. <laughs> like there's, I don't think that I would ever go to something like that. And it was a known hangout area for people like the Hells Angels. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not a place I'm going to just go chill I know. on Saturday night. It seemed like a lot of people would go check it out, though. So there were enough tables and chairs to fit upwards of 150 people. There was a cover to get in the, the place of like 10 to $20. And they would bring in usually no less than $10,000, like on an average night. Oh, which is crazy. Like, that's a lot of money. And I, I think there was one, it said one night they made like 40, over 40000 Holy shit. So the place was just like hopping. Piggy Palace rolling in the dough. Yeah. The place made a lot of people excited, including Robert. He hoped this was his chance to find a steady girlfriend. He had... He had had very few relationships in the past. Most females either friend-zoned him or were basically, like, repulsed by him. I don't know how to say that. I think I can say that. Yeah, he's nasty. I'm not surprised. Repulsed. You nasty, Picton. You nasty. He was briefly engaged, so he said, to a woman named Connie when he was 24. She was a pen pal friend. He, like... Well, that was his thing. He was like, had pen pal friends mostly, and they're mostly female. Well, if you don't have much charisma, that's where you go, right? I know. So he- Going online. Azel. Does, does anyone remain, remember Azel? A-S-L? No. I no? Chat rooms that. like the fucking late- 90s. Like MSN. Well, like I'm talking like internet chat rooms, not just MSN. I mean- MSN Oh, like, and you could chat with anyone in that other one. Yeah. So oh, it'd be okay. like Azel. You'd ask people, Azel be age, sex, location. So how old do you? Are you girl, guy, what, and where do you live? Oh, interesting. You don't remember that shit? You had too much time on your hands, dude. I had a lot of time on my hands. I was kid. too busy. I was playing fucking Diablo and StarCraft and <laughs> talking to people in chat rooms. <laughs> okay, so where was I here? Um, so he went to visit her at one point, and holy shit, I'm actually reading the wrong line. It's smooth. I, it's so easy to do that. Well, though. you messed me up. Sorry. Okay, yeah, so he went and visit, visit her, but she was she was living in Michigan. So apparently, like, he came back, they were engaged, but she had a job in Michigan, and he was, like, pretty attached to the farm, so it just, like, didn't work out. Gotcha. Also, I like how I tried to cover for you there, so you could have time. And then I just blamed you. Yeah, I'm like, it's so easy to do that, and you're like, fuck you, Ben, it's your fault. <laughs> Thanks, love you too, babe. <laughs> Trying to have you back here. Oh, this that's us to a T. Okay, so he also had... Um, a thing for one of his brother's girlfriends, Sandy. And Sandy, from what I could tell, was the mother of David's kids. And when they broke up, it devastated Ro Robert. He apparently asked her to marry him, but she turned him down. I feel like that's really interesting. Like she, I, I'm just I, singing songs from Greece right now. Sandy. Oh, gosh. I was like, you seem really into that. Okay, so the idea of this picky palace excited him and so apparently for a very brief period in his life he decided to clean himself up 
to not be like such a disgusting, nasty motherfucker. Wow. So he like got new clothes. I think he bathed a little bit more. I can't remember what the hell it's called, but like he was balding at the top. He had like nasty kind of long hair. And then he got this hair piece that would like sit on the top of his head. Like a toupee? Yeah. And I was like, I can't remember what it's called. Um, So like people notice at first, like, holy shit, like he looked like a new man, really. Like, who is this guy? Which again, props to him for for trying to turn himself around. And I'm not necessarily saying it has to do with looks, but I mean, respecting himself and cleaning himself and hygiene. It probably made him feel so good. Yeah. So props to him for that. Like you can absolutely turn your life around at times. I think like you just, you just got to have a will. Yeah. So it shows like Robert Picton could have been a good person. Mm Mm-hmm. I honestly feel like, I don't know, in a sense, sometimes I think he could, he really could have been if this, so many things had been different. I think so too. It's like, they say sometimes serial killers are made. And I think in this story, that's the truth. I think you hit the the nail on the head there. hundred percent. Yeah. Through and through. Yeah. Um, Okay. It's sad, but it's true. So yeah, he cleaned himself up very briefly, but then- like, he didn't take care of this toupee. Is that what we decided it was called? Yeah. Hairpiece. How's that? And um, so it very quickly got disgusting. And, like, he was just, I don't know. It's just very quickly. So, like, he went back to his old ways because he even had gotten, like, a new motor home. But, like, he just didn't keep up with anything. It's like, it's like he almost didn't know how or something. So the brothers would later incorporate Piggy Palace to be... I always want to say it with plural piggies, but I don't think it is. So they incorporate it to be Piggy Palace Good Time Society. Oh, there it is. And registered it as a non-profit charity. Yeah. I'm like, how? How? With a mandate to raise for charitable groups through events such as dances and shows on behalf of service organizations, sports organizations, and other worthy groups. Like, la fuck? La fuck? (laughs) Though the palace attracted all types of crowds, including, it didn't, like it said this in numerous things, off-duty police officers, city officials, and the mayor of Port Coquitlam at one time even had an appearance there. Very brief, but he did. But in all reality, it was a biker hangout attracting a rougher crowd on a more normal basis, including the Hell's Angels, which would take over every couple of weeks for private parties. Mm-hmm. I think there were certain events where... Um, charitable events, probably. Yes, the certain yep. charitable events that would have attracted those those more official types. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like maybe the weekends or something like that. And then when it was back to the weekdays, that's when it was the regulars toll in or something like that. Well, you know? But it is surprising because the zoning of that shit... Must have just, it just like, they must have just had a complete idea that they shouldn't be there. I feel like. You know, I never even considered zoning. I wonder if it was like even a thing. Well, yeah. No, it would have been. I have this later because it was zoned for agricultural purposes. Yeah, it's Very much line. so. And there's a bar there. Like that is just, it's just like the opposite of what it was zoned for. People just not asking questions. I guess. So neighbors would complain often of the rowdiness, drug use, and noise coming from the parties. At one point, they were sued by Port Coquitlam officials for violating zoning ordinances. I think that's how you would say that. How come you just questioned the zoning when you just had the answer in the next sentence? You totally set me up. Thanks. (laughs) Appreciate it. You just wrote me around. Well played. Well, 
That's how we roll. <laughs> but that's how we roll. Right? Throw Ben into the bus every time. Every no, chance. No, okay. Get. You're making me sound like a terrible person. I made you a delicious dinner. <laughs> a delicious cheese sandwich. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, you have to explain that. What it's just is it just for no, what's it called? Uh last one laughing. Last one laughing. Holy shit, but it was a Canadian show, right? Well, it's not a Canadian show, but there was a Canadian version. version. So if you don't know, there's a show called Last One Laughing. This is totally not a It's totally off talking, but it's just funny. Um, but there's a show where basically comedians get thrown in a house like Big Brother and they have to stay in there for like 10 hours and they're not allowed to laugh. So you have to make the others laugh to leave the house and last one laughing wins. And there was a Canadian version of it where all all the contestants were Canadian only contestants. And yet Tom Green is Canadian and he was one of the ones in there. And he just kept going after this one other girl, this other comedian. And he's just like making grilled cheese sandwiches. And he saw that she was laughing just the way he's saying grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> and so he just kept going, would you like me to make you a delicious cheese sandwich? And he just over and oh, over. constantly. It was the funniest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and now I can I cannot hear or say the word delicious without thinking that delicious cheese sandwich. so we constantly just say delicious cheese sandwich in this house we should have a, a shirt that says delicious cheese sandwich actually yeah i'd wear <laughs> i'd rock it okay holy shit where was i here oh, sorry we're we're, just, I digress. we're the worst okay so like basically everything else in their life the brothers ignored these legal pressures eventually getting banned for holding future parties and ultimately in 2000 the city shut down piggy palace it's honestly surprising that they had their fun for like that many years that okay. it was probably like four years yeah that's absurd i cannot even believe that they got away with that for four years and bringing in like you said like 10 grand a night i know like they must like run rich as heck i don't know maybe there was high cost of running it um but the, the there was also um along with like hell's angels there was uh sex workers that would come and yeah. like people from the downtown east side and stuff so I don't know, like it just, I had the and then it was being ran as a charity and stuff. It just seems like the most interesting. Regardless, it promoted a very not so much healthy lifestyle. Yeah. I don't know. The whole situation just seems so crazy to me. Okay. So now during much of this time, from the span of Robert losing his father slash mother to shortly after the close of Piggy Palace, there was a wide known problem happening in Vancouver's downtown east side. Mm-hmm. And it was the disappearing of women, more specifically sex workers. As the rate of disappearances escalated, rumors of a sex, a sex. You get, you got this. I know I got this, but I'm like, I'm just like really reading too fast. So rumors of a serial killer began to circulate. The women were in fear of their life. They began walking in groups and writing down license plate numbers of vehicles picking up their friends. Good so, on them for, which for is, doing that. Which is awesome. Like they were looking out for each other, they right? Had each other's back. Which is really awesome. And clearly because the RCMP or I guess no, well, city police. They didn't feel like anyone else did. Yeah. The police didn't have their back. So mm -hmm. I don't think RCMP are in Vancouver. It's city police, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's like Vancouver Police Department. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think it's RCMP. No. So I just wanted to clarify because I said RCMP up first. Oh, okay. So family members and friends were also reaching out to police, reporting their loved ones as missing and having no idea why or how they vanished. But knowing their loved ones were leaving behind personal identification, treasured children's pictures, medications, and uncashed welfare checks. 
things that you wouldn't necessarily be leaving behind if you were just like skipping town. Yeah, no kidding. Very important items, really. Yeah, someone who's skipping town, you know, running away from a lifestyle or other individuals, they're, they're probably going to need all the income they can get and they're going to take that with them. Mm-hmm. Their medications and they're probably going to yeah. take the photos of their children, right? Exactly. They're going to take those possessions that are close to them. Absolutely. Most of the senior police officers in the Vancouver Police Department refused to believe a serial killer was at work. Because of the marginalized lifestyles and transient habits of the victims going missing, the police were not taking the concern seriously and believed there was no indication of a serial killer on the loose. Instead, suggesting that an increasing level of violence and disputes over drugs in the downtown Eastside were likely to blame. But they also did not give an explanation for the lack of bodies being found if that were the case. Yeah. And I mean, just playing devil's advocate here, say the police are right and that is playing a role. I'm sure it is playing a role. I'm sure it's not the entire reason though. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is. it is accounting for a couple, but it's definitely not accounting for all. Oh yeah. I mean, some of them would have been overdoses, but then they would have had a body. Yep. And some people did go missing later to be found. So it's yep. like, I, I, but the amount of numbers that were going missing was too high to ignore, really. Oh, yeah. So in 1987, the RCMP did set up a special team to investigate the di- disappearances. You said RCMP. Was it RCMP? Oh, shit. I do have RCMP. Okay. Did- now I'm going to have to double check. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to give here a quick Google while you're talking. Okay, let's, well, no, let's just look right now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, so we just gave it a quick Google search. And just to clarify if RCMP are operating within uh, Vancouver. Um, here's what Google says. It says the Northern, or sorry, the North Vancouver. Wow, I can't talk. Good thing I'm not presenting today. The <laughs> North Vancouver City District and provincial RCMP units, for example, make up the North Vancouver detachments. So there is both RCMP right. and city police in Vancouver. Okay, which makes sense because I do kind of go back and forth a little bit. So Yeah, so it, they're they're operating together, basically. There's also Google reviews for RCMP, which seems wild to me. They are happy. Really? They have a 2.8 go- or, uh, review. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> That's really interesting. They should be having non- not reviews on there. Okay, but I also just have to say something really quick is we are garbage dump. In town, I yes. have to like Google it sometimes to look at the hours. <laughs> and there's literally a five-star review on there that says something. Like, what did it say? It's a garbage dump. I dump things. And every time I look <laughs> at the hours, I just like freaking laugh my ass off. It's so funny. Five so, stars. Five stars. Five out of five. It lets me dump things. Yep. Okay. So in 1987, the... Oh, did I... Okay, that's where we left off. And then we're like, oh, or something. Yep. So I'm just going to say that line again. 
The RCMP did set up a special team to investigate the disappearances, but due to limited progress, it was disbanded in 1989. In 1991, families of the missing women, along with advocates for sex trade workers, would establish an annual Valentine's Day Remembrance Walk as a memorial to remember or to the murdered and missing victims. The hopes of this was to bring light to the situation and that police may once again start an investigation, but the police were sluggish to respond. The Vancouver Sun accused the police of giving low priority to crimes committed against sex workers. They were also criticized for their reluctance to adopt new emerging methods of investigation, such as psychological criminal profiling and geo-profiling. Though the creep factor was high with Robert Picton, he wasn't necessarily under radar until he was actually caught. We'll talk about these or the complaints that would come in regarding Robert. But in 1997, there was a significant missed opportunity that could have prevented the death of many women. And that was the incident with Wendy Lynn Eistetter. And my friends... That's also we're going to stop today's episode. That was information overload. Yeah. We had to get through all that stuff to be able to tell the rest of the story. Well, it's severely important to consider uh, what happened afterwards because now we kind of have a picture of his history and what kind of individual he has become. Yes. And the opportunities he had to turn himself around and Mm -hmm. never really fully took advantage of them. Yeah, so we'll be um, we'll be doing part two next week, and I wa- also wanted to shout out a book. So this book was written by Stevie Cameron, and it's titled "On the Farm: um, Robert William Pictum and the Tragic Story of Vancouver's Missing Women." And so I'm finally reading a book for a case, which I'm like, yes, I'm freaking awesome. We generally don't have the time to f- read a full book for. I know, and this time I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna like do it. So I'm, I am like skimming because i mean it's like 700 pages and we're not going to have like a seven hour podcast um so if you really wanted to like dive super deep you could read that and because it's really well done it's just like a wealth of information Mm -hmm. but yeah next week we'll be giving you more details on this uh this this nasty character that we're talking about here yeah one that hits close to home for us and one that is known worldwide because this is crazy yeah it's very crazy well, well done so far. That was really good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to see more of us, of course, check out our social media links that are in the description or the show notes of this podcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, all those good ones. And of course, Patreon. Patreon. And you can check out the new merch we dropped this week. Oh, yeah. We had some super cool merch, actually. Yeah, we had three new designs, all color designs for T-shirts, stickers, water bottles, you name it, all designed by the guy who's talking right now. And socks. Yes. I ordered a pair of socks. The socks are actually dope. They are. I love Super them. Super epic. <laughs> They're so good. Yeah. And honestly, if you have a moment, we would love, love, love for you to give us a rating because it really, really helps. Yes. Reviews and ratings help. Uh, the algorithm actually shout our podcast out to other people who might think that, you know, Spotify is like, hey, this person might like uh, 
like this podcast. Mm-hmm. So. Which is honestly how we got to where we are too, was getting pushed by the algorithm, really. Yeah. So if you guys- Along with all these awesome people. Yes, definitely. Don't get me wrong there. <laughs> but if you guys could help, you know, give us a review. Hey, even maybe tell a friend about our podcast. It means the world of difference and it definitely helps. So thank you very much for all the support you've given us so far. And just wait for part two of Robert Picton. So until then. Until next week, stay wicked. Mm-hmm.